0: Do you work for the Catholic Church? Do you fear losing your faith because of your work environment? Or do you wonder how you can maintain a high level of integrity throughout both your personal and work life? This is the podcast for you.
1: Welcome to Serious Catholic Leadership. A place where you can come for clear answers and straightforward advice on all topics related to working for the Catholic Church. No fluff stuff. I'm Zach Morgan, and today I'm joined with my co-host Tom Timmons, and we're going to be tackling the topic of duplicity. No matter where you work, uh, there will be duplicity. However, it is exaggerated when you work for the Church, because we pursue a holy purpose, but we are still human, that means we are still flawed, and we bring those flaws to work with us. And those flaws can start to define um, the uh, efficaciousness of uh, the efficacy of our work. And that becomes a problem if we are not, if we don't figure out kind of how to temper that. Um, so, Tom, you know, when we talk about tempering our what the baggage that we bring, you know, to the workplace, um, I think that there's a lot for us to
0: consider. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and duplicity is really a—it's uh, almost a buzzword, I think, in the in the church today. But there's so much um, to it that it, it needs to be talked about, and we need to fight it at when all possible. You know, when I when I started um, working for the Catholic Church after graduating college, uh, I was met very quickly with a very uh, abrupt, almost bold statement that was, you know, took me, took me back a little bit. And it said, you know, my, my, my boss had said to me, Hey, welcome, welcome to working for the Catholic church. Uh, you're either going to, you know, love it or you're going to lose your faith. And I thought, Oh boy, wow. Like, is this, is she, is she serious? Yeah. Like, am I like lose my, what, like the church is great. What do you mean lose my faith? Um, and, uh, you know, and I, and as I thought more about that statement leading up to this uh, conversation today, I thought, well, you know what? She was, she was being honest. And uh, it actually gave me an awareness Mm -hmm. about what was around me and actually kind of almost protected me from being scandalized because I had that heightened uh, awareness of, okay, you know, just because Um, I'm working in the church doesn't mean it's perfect. Um, And I think, you know, oftentimes in working in the church, I think it's often a good uh, practice to go back to the foundings, right? To go back to Christ and and the founding of the church. And and when you do that and you think of duplicity, you're like, okay, he founded the church with a bunch of sailors, uh, you know, fishermen. And uh, these were rough, tough guys. And, you know, you think of, you know, Judas who <laughs> betrayed him, you know, you're like, okay, this, this is the founding of the church. And if that's the founding, well, who are we to think that it's all roses today? You know, exactly. it's important to have the heightened awareness of duplicity, but then at the same time, be protected against it and fight against it um, as much as possible. And, you know, how do, how do we do that on an institutional level?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, when we consider that the work of the institution, like our work, it contributes to the, whole, the goals of the institution. So when we look at our relationship then as an institution with other institutions, when we work for the church or when uh, we have a nonprofit that has very specific um, ethical stances— we have to be careful because it's very easy to tie ourselves into other organizations because maybe they can help bring in some extra money, or maybe they can help increase uh, membership or participation. But do those other organizations, those other institutions, hold to the same values that our institution is really fighting for? And when we have duplicity on that level when uh, uh, as an institution, ultimately we become... Our our message becomes a lot less authentic, because it looks like we're willing to sell out what we truly believe is a is an ethical concern or a moral problem um, for the convenience of some extra money or some extra publicity or some extra attention. They say no publicity is bad publicity. No, you know, with us that's not true. With us, it really is. like you, you don't want scandal. And one of the easiest ways to avoid scandal on an institutional level is to ensure that the relationships you have with other institutions that are working relationships where you are, you are working off of the, the productivity of the other, that you're partnering with institutions who hold to the same moral ethical standards that you do. When you mm-hmm. do that, when you partner yourself with others who are, hold those same standards, that duplicity, the opportunity for that duplicity diminishes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, once we look at it on the institutional level, how, what are relationships like with other organizations? Um, once we get that kind of cleared up, if we're looking at sort of a top-down approach to duplicity, are our relationships with other organizations good relationships with good organizations? Then we can turn around and look at our own organization then. And the top level of our own organization is going to be on that management level. So Tom, like when we, when we talk about good management that erases kind of the, or not erases, but at least diminishes the opportunity for duplicity. What are the type of management styles that you're
0: looking for in that? Right. So if I'm, um, a manager, uh, first and foremost, uh, you you want to have a high level of you know personal integrity as as a manager as you know somebody overseeing in department staff um, you know and you want to embrace um, you know I, I think when you look at the gospel right and correlate that to to management embracing a servant leadership uh, is extremely important right that's what Christ Christ came to serve so. When when you're embracing that uh, within your management and really looking to serve others and not serve yourself and and your own uh, pockets or you know uh, or your ego or anything else like that um, and I think we find that a lot in the church that you know there's um, oftentimes that you do have you know or great organizations but at the end of the day it's about the money or great organizations. And at the end of the day, it's about the ego. Um, and it's it's really hard because, you know, uh, we have to always remind ourselves, OK, we're here to serve one, one master. That's Christ and uh, his church. Um, and we're, it's not to serve this, you know, person or this uh, personality or ourselves. Um, and, uh, I think, you know, when, when you, when, when you really get down to it by serving at, by, uh, leading, uh, as a servant, uh, and leading with integrity, you kind of start to build up organizational trust, both with your yeah. employees, both with, you know, uh, parishioners, benefactors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and that's key because, you know, as you, as you had said, Zach, you know, uh when you work with you know even other organizations and if if they don't share that that same mission, not necessarily even you know if they're Catholic or not, but if they if they have a completely different view on uh, reality on on the world um, and it's contrary to the teachings of the faith, then you know and you're doing business with that that company, that lawyer, that consultant um, what does that then say to your supporters your your parishioners that hey you know we profess one thing but at the end of the day we're happy to support something that doesn't yeah Um, and we're happy to take the money that you've given us and give it to to that uh and then all of a sudden it just breaks down the organization uh because it's just sending a clear message of we're duplicitous and we're not and we're not genuine um and that really i think brings us to the next point of like okay how do you then how are you then most genuine in an organization how how do you embrace um a a, a real genuine uh spirit of of work you know even um and, and what does that what does that really mean what does that look like
1: yeah and i think when we remember that you know we we a lot of times we think of working for the church is just a job. But the reality is that there's no there's no position in the church that is just a job. Who we are is always going to be a part of that. And when who we are brings any type of of scandal to um or contrary or, or con, openly contradictory to the precepts of the faith or the teaching of the church, um, we are bringing along with that a a personal truth that we try to put over the, what the institution says is the truth it's hard in the church because we we are flawed people who are brought in to do work for a greater cause and that public scandal seeps in when our managers and I, and we'll go back to management for just a minute Managers need to do a really good job when they're interviewing and they're and talking to to potential employees to make sure that they understand that there's a morality clause in working for the church. And it's not just because we're going to make sure that you toe the line or we're going to make sure that you but it's to protect the organization from those opportunities of of having duplicitous agents because when Parishioners come to us when the the loss come to us, when when other organizations come to the church or to Catholic nonprofits, they are anticipating a certain response. And that's one that is uniquely Catholic and upholds the ethical and moral values of the church. When we hire agents to work for us, when we hire uh, employees who really don't uphold the tenets of the faith in their own personal life with social media now, our lives are on display. So when I say I work for a Catholic institution, or I work for a Catholic organization, or I work for the church itself, there is sort of an unsaid or unstated reality that I work for them because I agree with their mission. It goes unsaid because it's assumed, even though you as an individual employee may not feel that way, but the reality is, when a when a when a individual meets another individual who says, "I work for the church," immediately comes to mind to the person who asks the question, "Where do you work?" And you say, "For the church." That oh, well, then you must hold to the to the truth that the Catholic Church professes. And so, when we have these, uh, when we employ people to work for us who really don't hold to the to the uh, precepts of the faith, or we bring in um, 1099 employees, contractors who don't really uphold the precepts of the faith. We are bringing in an open dialogue for duplicity, and if we are trying to diminish that, then we simply have to be more thorough with who we hire and who we bring in, and right. and that becomes kind of a taboo uh, topic because we're we're basically saying. Um, you know, we're, someone could be fully qualified to work here, they have the education, they have the, the experience, but we're not going to hire them because of the way they live their personal life. Well, for the Church, yes, because part of the requirement for, for working for the Church is understanding that we cannot give what we do not have, and if we are supposed to be giving a uniquely Catholic product— we can't give that if we're not trying to live a uniquely Catholic life. So right. people who work for the Church have to embrace their own conversion first and foremost. So on a personal level, so that the institutional goals and the management goals can be, can be met, on an individual level, we have to, as people working for the Church, embrace first and foremost our own conversion first. That we are bringing a uniquely Catholic perspective to our work that is gained through our participation in the
0: life of the Church. Right. No, absolutely. And I think a lot of times uh, it's very important to not only bring bring that forward, but then when you encounter duplicity, um, to not let it fester within yourself mm-hmm. and to, and to refocus yourself again back towards Christ and towards prayer, and let Him— rejuvenate you because you're like okay now i'm i'm worn down i don't know who to trust i don't know what to believe let's not you know again coming back to what i said you know what was told to me at my first you know job working for the church don't lose your faith working for the church that's that's probably you know if it comes between losing your faith and and keeping uh, uh, uh you know or not keeping a job uh well, go lose your faith, you know, because the job is much less important than than your than your personal faith. But, I, you know, it, as you're talking, Zach, I also feel like, um, you know, if if you're embracing that, if you're if you're trying to embrace it as an institution, um, you know, even a real simple way, which I, you know, admittedly haven't really seen other than, you know, when you're when you're looking for new employment, you know, or when you're looking to hire new employees, mm-hmm. a lot of times. I've seen this where it says, uh, you know, must be practicing Catholic in the in the job description, but that's really all the detail yep. that is usually given, and that's really, you know, there's almost never follow up. Uh, you know, I know when I've taken jobs, I'm always like, hey, you know, this is this is how I'm Catholic, and I you know want to prove to the employer that this is how I'm Catholic, but um, you know, I almost wonder and think if it would be beneficial for charities, parishes, people, you know, a a faith who who want to promote this culture of integrity and Catholicity within the organization to take it one step further and, you know, send a survey or uh, when they come in for a job, you know, hey, can you fill out this questionnaire? Or, hey, when you sign on, you're also going to sign this pledge that you're going to, you know, uh, kind of, you know, uphold the teachings of the church within, not only within your work, but within your, you know, personal life and anything, especially on public display, um, social media, things of that nature. I, I I mean, that would go a long, long way. Uh, if, if we just took that small extra step within, within our organizations to, you know, hire people, um, and, and kind of, you know, put the pen to the paper and have them sign on to that, that pledge, of integrity and and pledge of uh, morality within the church.
1: Well, and I'll tell you, anytime I've been a part of a hiring committee that is looking at at new potential employees, there are two questions I always ask, and I ask them together. What are areas of the faith with which you struggle? And then how do you personally deal with that struggle? And that tells us a lot, because there's always going to be parts of our faith that we struggle with because we embrace Catholicism as a lifelong struggle because we're not perfect but more important than finding out what somebody struggles with is how they're dealing with it and if they're dealing with it by well i figure if i go to work for the church i can help change the teaching from the inside that that is an incorrect answer you know we we haven't we are allowed to dissent we are permitted to dissent so long as we are ser- searching truth for the sake of truth that we understand that it's a continued search, that we don't just make up our mind and, and, and quit investigating, and that we do not lead others astray in our dissension. So we're allowed to struggle. Mother Church says, you're going to struggle. You're allowed to. Don't think of yourself as a bad Catholic simply because you struggle. But the second part of that answer, how do you deal with it? If it's a change from the inside, it's going to be a bad employee because, well, well you know, that that's going to— their whole position, everything around them is going to be centered on a necessarily duplicitous environment because they're coming in to try to make those changes. But if you find someone who says, so what I do is I've been studying and I've been reading more and I've been looking at the church fathers and I've been looking at scholars and I've been praying for the Holy Spirit to give me the guidance to make, to to either be open to the conversion of my own understanding or— a way to have a piece of under a piece of understanding that, even though I may not agree or I struggle with it, that when in my in my absence of leading other people astray by telling everybody that the church is wrong, and by making it a private, personal um, endeavor, a study, that I can kind of marry my my disbelief or my frustration with a certain. Pe- belief of the church with still being a good disciple because it's, I'm still working on it. I'm, I'm requiring the church to give me good answers. You can come back and say the church in her 2000 years of wisdom can give really good answers to questions if you're open to asking the questions. So continue right. that conversation, continue that conversion, but those you, you can deal Two people can struggle with the same aspect of their faith but go about how they deal with that struggle so differently that one will be an excellent candidate for position and one would be a terrible candidate for uh-huh. position. But uh-huh. you don't know if you don't ask, and utilizing those moments in the interview process is absolutely necessary, not only to dis- to distinguish whether or not they have the education and the professional skills, but they are the type of person who takes enough care in their in their um, spiritual life, that they are going to be a good candidate who understands the necessity of conversion in their in their own life first and foremost. And and I will say I'll end with this um, sort of my uh, uh, take on employment. If you and and erasing duplicity in the church, if you work for the church in any capacity at all. If you're the, the Catholic school librarian, if you're the principal, if you're the janitor, if you're the groundskeeper, if you're the pastor of the parish, if, if you're the head of the – if you're the DRE, if you work in HR, it does not matter. You should have a spiritual director, period, End. full stop. If you work in the church, you should have a spiritual director because spiritual warfare is a real thing, and duplicity squeaks in. When we lose sight of the goal, of the whole, of the institution, for our, our own personal delights in the moment, when we lose sight of the whole be- be- for the me, when he decreases so that I can increase, nothing is going to come. Nothing good will come of it. But when we are willing to sit back and, and recognize our own brokenness, but the ability for us to still perform a job when we embrace the brokenness and strive to do better— we have a much better product, but the only way we can really do that is to have someone else to help us along that, along that path. When you go to work for the church, you are instantly put on the front lines of that spiritual battle. So if you're going to work for the church, get a spiritual director mm-hmm. so that you personally can grow, but you also don't detract by creating a scandalous environment from the work of the whole institution.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Great point. And, uh, you know, you definitely yeah working for the church whether you know it or not or like it or not you've got you've got a target on your back and that doesn't mean give up and don't do it i mean it's the most important work that that can be done out there is you know promoting the mission of the church but to to zach's point absolutely um you know arm yourself with uh you know good spiritual director good um devotional practices and uh and i think you know at the end of the day too um you know, the last thing I really want to, uh, input here is that, you know, we are, again, we're all human and we're all going to, uh, fall and fail. And, um, you know, we're all, you know, to some extent or another, going to be guilty of duplicity ourselves. Um, and when we, and when that happens, uh, just to, just to be humble, you know, uh, admit our faults, be as honest as we can go to, you know, go to confession, obviously. But, um, You know, it's going to go a long, long way, you know, um, to be honest, uh, to be humble um, yourself. And then it's going to help rebuild, regain that trust with your employees, with, you know, outside organizations, with parishioners, donors. um, And, uh, you know, we're all we're all in the same boat together. And, uh, you know, we do again do our best to, to fight duplicity uh, in the church when we see it, but then also um, admit when we're wrong and uh, and move on and grow from it. And I think, um, you know, if we embrace those uh, tenets and, and, and really just stick to, to, again, a good personal integrity, um, you know, on and off the field, then we're going to be you know, set for success in our personal lives and also within the organizations that we work.
1: All right, and that will end our podcast today on the topic of duplicity. Tom, thanks again for uh, being here and being kind of my counterpart in this venture. Um,
0: the best part of my week is when we do these podcasts together. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to hit the like and subscribe buttons and share with others. Please support us on Patreon. You're listening to Serious Catholic Leadership, at Sirius.